All right. Well, good afternoon, everyone. I don't know if you know it or not, but this week is happened to be Congressional Black Caucus Foundation's annual legislative conference. Where we're doing a lot of policy sessions. And so I'm here at the convention center in Washington, D.C. with Congressman Kelly working, just finishing her health policy uh, meeting. And now I'm here again with you all, hoping that you can listen with this, listen on driving healthy aging through vac vaccination. Um, it's a program sponsored by the SHC division of NMQF. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Yabo Basilo. I hope I said that right. And to lead today's discussion. Dr. You Yabo. You did. And thank you so much, Brandon. It's such a pleasure to be here. And I will be serving today as your moderator and a co-presenter. I would again like to thank NMQF and the Center for Sustainable Healthcare, Quality and Equity for this opportunity, particularly Laura Lee and Chinny, and just the space today to discuss this very important topic, vaccination in older adults as a way to promote healthy aging. Today, we have some awesome presenters. Um, I'll start with Dr. Strothers, who received his medical degree from the University of Maryland School of Medicine in 1982. He stayed on for residency training in family medicine. He is also board certified not only in family medicine, but in geriatrics. From the Tulane University School of Public Health, he received a master's in medical management as well. He has practiced at a rural National Health Service course site in South Carolina in the past, after leaving then, he was director of primary care services for a program for all-inclusive care for the elderly through 1991. After then, he worked as a geriatrician and quality improvement coordinator for the South Carolina Department of Mental Health. He taught family medicine and geriatrics for several years at the University of South Carolina before moving to Morehouse School of Medicine. In nearly 22 years at Morehouse School of Medicine, Dr. Struthers has served as Residency Director, Associate Chairman for Academic Programs, and Chairman for the Department of Family Medicine. One of the notable achievements is the school's first electronic health record in 2001, which he implemented along with his team. He has also served over five years as the Medical Director of Crestview Health and Rehab Center Grady's 260 plus bed long-term care facility. You can see on the screen that he has received numerous awards of distinction. Dr. Struthers is passionate about primary care, serving the needs of patients and teaching learners patient-centered care. He is married with children and grandchildren. Next, um, Ms. Robinson, Regina Robinson, she obtained her Bachelor of Science in Nursing from the University of Cincinnati and Master of Science in Nursing and Education from Xavier University. She retired from Cincinnati Veteran Affairs Medical Center after 25 years of service to veterans. She is a member of the Ohio Nurses Association, Sigma Theta Tau, and stays abreast of current trends in nursing. As a member of Legacy Point Church, being very active with the leadership team coordinating the health and wellness ministry and a member of the Faith Health Alliance. She has hosted numerous health fairs addressing chronic illnesses, as well as flu and COVID-19 vaccine clinics. She's married and has four children and her favorite scripture, which is mine as well. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Philippians 4, 13. Next, we have Mr. Freddie Spry, 
And we are so privileged to have Freddie here. He is a distinguished master barber, proud proprietor of the Shop Spa situated in Hyattsville, Maryland. He has a passion for both grooming and community well-being. He engages his clientele in essential conversations regarding preventive health care. From advocating for flu vaccines to promoting colon cancer screenings, he addresses all those critical healthcare matters that impact not only African-American, but Latino people. He firmly believes in the power of barbers as trusted messengers who can disseminate vital health information effectively. He is a certified community health worker and a founding member of HAIR, or Health Advocates in Reach and Research and tirelessly champions education and awareness to better serve both his clients and the wider community. For myself, I'm a board certified pediatrician with over 20 years of experience in private practice and urgent care settings and owning and managing a pediatric practice. I've also worked for several years at the CDC in the immunization services division and currently serve as a consultant on immunizations to various national and international organizations. I enjoy also serving through Life's Mission Incorporated with compassion and dignity, and I'm committed to promoting self-sufficiency and contributing to the work of local medical workforces while embracing the local culture. I'm a wife and a mom. So with that introduction, we're going to turn our attention now to why we're here. First, I must say I'm so humbled to serve again as moderator and co-panelist today. And we're here today to address disparities in certain disease rates and vaccination rates that exist in adults, particularly older adults, with a focus on respiratory diseases such as flu, COVID, and RSV. And we're going to learn how from our different vantage points as clinicians, public health professionals, and also from within our communities, how can we address these disparities and co-create meaningful change in our communities? The slide here that you are witnessing now is sharing some data on the uptake of a particular type of flu vaccine called high-dose flu vaccination amongst Medicare beneficiaries back in 2015-2016, and is looking at the rates of uptake by race. And you see the difference there in the percent of beneficiaries who received a flu vaccine and got the high dose option, which is the preferred option for older adults as we will be discussing shortly. And unfortunately, we do see those racial disparities. And we know that the study defined and analyzed race as a social construct, including income and healthcare utilization, placing race and racism as the originating factor for vaccine uptake. The study found that vaccinated Black, Hispanic, and Asian Medicare beneficiaries were 30 to 48% less likely to receive the high dose versus the standard dose. And remember again, the high dose is what is recommended. And the results really emphasize the importance of structural factors in vaccine disparities. So these are some of the questions we're posing for today's webinar. We want you to think of them as you hear from all of us today. Why are vaccines so important for older adults? What risks does the flu pose to older adults? What are the recommended vaccines? What are the disparities that occur among older adults of color? What contributes to these vaccine disparities? 
and how can we turn this around and promote healthy aging among our older adults of color through vaccination? We ask that you use the Q&A tabs to insert your questions. After this webinar, we'll be creating an educational flyer infographic on this topic for you to share with your patients and community. So with that, I am going to, if you'll bear with me, just stop share for a minute and switch slide sets so that I can begin my session. And again, we want you to think about all of those topics as we um, navigate through the sessions today. Bear with us just for a second. And thank you for your patience. So for the first session today, I'll be exploring some of the disparities that exist in vaccination. And um, we will be also talking about the importance of vaccination in older adult populations and what are the vaccines that are recommended. We know that vaccines allow us to age in a more healthy manner. Um, and that's because our immunity from childhood vaccines, they wear off over time. The ones that we had when we were in elementary school or high school, many of them have worn off over time. And there's also just this natural decline in our immune function, which makes us more susceptible to disease as we get older. That also means our immune response to a vaccine may be lower, meaning we may need vaccines that are stronger, such as the higher dose flu vaccine, we also are more likely to have chronic health conditions as we get older, like liver, kidney, heart disease, all of which can worsen if we were to contract a vaccine-preventable illness such as flu or COVID-19. And we also want to do what we can to protect those around us, our family members who are too young to be vaccinated. I won't spend much time on the flu because I know Dr. Struthers will, but looking at the flu during most flu seasons, people 65 years and older bear that greatest burden of severe flu disease. And as you can see from the statistics at the very bottom bullet there, 70, between 70 and 85% of seasonal flu-related deaths have occurred in people 65 years and older, and also higher numbers of hospitalizations in this age group as well. Another disease that we need to be concerned about is pneumococcal disease. And this can present as pneumonia, meningitis, or bloodstream infections. And though anyone can get it, we see that this illness can really manifest itself very strongly in those 65 years and older. We've seen the devastation of COVID-19 disease, but particularly in adults over 50, um, we're more likely to need hospitalization if we were to contract COVID, end up in the ICU, or be on a ventilator to help us breathe. And the graph to the right, the arrows are just pointing to the age groups, unfortunately yeah. the highest rates of death due to COVID-19. And you'll see that's um, starting from 65 to 74, all the way up to 85 plus. Regardless of age as an adult, 
the more underlying medical conditions you have, that can increase your risk of hospitalization from COVID-19. So amongst hospitalized adults of varying ages, adults 65 years and older, 81% were noted to have three or more underlying conditions. And as we mentioned earlier, those conditions really can be exacerbated during a bout with either flu or COVID-19. We'll also see that unfortunately, COVID-19 hospitalization rates differ by race and ethnicity with the highest rates noted in American Indian, Alaska Native, and Black populations. So it's not all gloom and doom. How can we improve these disparities in disease and vaccine rates? We do have tools in our toolboxes. So let's open up those toolboxes and pull out our prevention activities. We need to continue or return to preventive efforts. Um, I know I'm not seeing as many people masking as I used to. There is concern for vaccine fatigue, COVID-19 fatigue, but it is essential that we remind our communities as we enter into another respiratory season that is not just COVID-19 that we are bracing against, but also flu, RSV, and other cold viruses that we need to prevent. So going back to the basics with hand washing, masking, testing if you're ill, if you're in indoor spaces, making sure that you keep those areas well ventilated, staying away from others when you do become ill, except for getting medical care, masking, staying up to date, and as Dr. Struthers will talk about, receiving antiviral drugs, asking for those medicines that can help your symptoms of flu and COVID-19 go away faster and hopefully prevent you from ending up in the hospital. Just to remind you, this um, news article um, just came out that beginning September 25th, the federal government is again going to start providing free COVID-19 tests and you may order these tests per household. So what are those vaccines that all adults need? Um, we know that the annual flu vaccine is important, COVID-19 vaccine, also our every 10-year tetanus booster. And then there are other vaccines that are needed based on age, health condition, job, lifestyle, and travel habits. You may not know this, but this is a screenshot of the adult immunization schedule. Just like there is a childhood immunization schedule published every year by the CDC, there's also one for adults with input from not only the CDC, but internal medicine and family practice physicians, OBGYN organizations. As a quick overview, it lists all the vaccines in the first column, the gray column, and to the right, which ones are recommended by age. The ones in yellow are routinely recommended. In purple, if there's a condition that puts someone at risk. Blue, that's through what's called shared clinical decision-making that we'll be talking about shortly, where you have that conversation with your healthcare provider to see if this is the right vaccine for you. Another version of the schedule, same setup, but is based on what underlying health condition you have and which vaccines are recommended if you have, say, heart disease, lung disease, sickle cell disease, kidney disease, you're immunocompromised, et cetera. Wanted to just focus on a few vaccines as we enter the cold respiratory season and looking at disparities in coverage rates, how we can improve those. So pneumococcal vaccine, we talked about pneumococcal disease that can lead to infection in the bloodstream, meningitis. 
Unfortunately, we see coverage rates in African-American and Hispanic population for years. This data is from 2008. Continue to lag behind our white counterparts, regardless of age or risk factor. The top lines are for everyone 65 years and older for whom this vaccine is routinely recommended and the bottom lines for people with medical conditions that put them at higher risk for this disease. And hence they're recommended to receive this vaccine earlier in life. So there are two vaccines that as a community we should be advocating for asking our healthcare providers for this pneumococcal conjugate or the polysaccharide vaccine. And you may need both. The flu vaccine, as Dr. Struthers will mention, we want to be asking for the high dose, not the standard dose flu vaccine for adults 65 years and older. These are the names here on the screen. People with underlying medical conditions, encourage them to get their flu vaccine every year, because again, the flu can worsen existing medical conditions. COVID-19 vaccine, unfortunately, through March of this year, we're still seeing disparities regarding who has gotten a booster dose. Um, we know that we've caught up with other races as far as completing the primary series, but we're lagging behind in coverage rates for the booster dose. And we have a new booster now. This is the 2023 to 2024 vaccine. We want to remind everyone that this vaccine is now here. In the next couple of weeks, you will see it in all the um, places you normally get vaccination, and it should be given at least two months after a prior COVID-19 vaccine dose. What's different about it is monovalent, providing protection against one strain, though current studies have shown that it should provide protection against currently circulating variants. The older version was bivalent, meaning to protect against two strains, but now this is the new vaccine. Lastly, RSV, um, we want to remind people that this is an illness not only for children, we've learned a lot that it can affect older adults. And when you compare these two graphics side by side, it's very similar in the burden to flu. Not as high every year as far as number of hospitalizations and encounters, but very, very similar. So with that, um, want to start moving on to our other um, panelists for today, we will begin with Dr. Struthers. He's again, a renowned geriatrician in Georgia and the US. We'll hear about how he works with his patients to assure equitable vaccination for older adults, really what it's like in the clinical setting, the barriers he and his patients face and how he works to um, overcome those. Thank you, Dr. Struthers. You're muted, sir. Thank you. Thank you for the kind introduction. Uh, I am Harry Struthers. I'm a family physician geriatrician, which means that I take care of all ages, but I uh, have a special focus on older people. So everybody over six months needs a flu vaccine. In a bad flu season, as many as 52,000 people have died from the flu. 
uh, flu shot can reduce your risk of ICU admissions by 82%. Last season, people who got vaccinated were 35% less likely to get the flu. Uh, flu shots cannot give you the flu, although some people have mild, mild side effects from getting the shot. Getting the flu is usually much worse than the side effects from a flu shot. It's good to get the flu vaccine before the end of October, where the season starts in lots of places in the country. Why get the vaccination? You've heard a little bit about it already, but it can keep you from getting sick with the flu. It's been shown to reduce the severity of illness in people. Uh, it can reduce your risk of flu-associated hospitalizations. It can reduce your risk of flu-associated worsening of your heart disease or chronic lung disease and diabetes. Flu vaccination during pregnancy helps protect pregnant people from flu during and after pregnancy and helps protect their infants from the flu uh, as they're not able to get a flu vaccine until they're six months old. We've talked a little bit already about unequal burden of severe flu outcomes. It can lead to hospitalization and death. However, certain racial groups, and you've seen that breakout already, and ethnic minorities experienced an unequal burden of severe flu outcomes. As we all know, there are longstanding social and health inequities that likely contribute to this. The other thing I want you to think about is those frail family members that you and your friends have contact with. Even mild cases of the flu can last one to two weeks, uh, including a week of bed rest. There are health and age factors that are known to increase a person's risk for getting serious complications from the flu and COVID. They include asthma, blood disorders, including sickle cell, chronic lung disease, like COPD and cystic fibrosis, endocrine disorders, including diabetes, people who are obese and have a body mass over 40, heart disease that includes congestive heart disease, congestive heart failure, congenital heart disease, coronary artery disease, kidney disorders, liver disorders, metabolic disorders, uh, including inherited metabolic disorders and mitochondrial disorders, neurologic and neurodevelopment conditions, and people younger than 19 who are on long-term aspirin or salicylate-containing medications. Other people at high risk, we've also talked about uh, adults over 65, but children younger than five, and especially children younger than two years old are at higher risk. Pregnant people and people up to two weeks after the end of pregnancy, uh, particularly groups uh, are American Indian and Alaska Native persons, people who live in nursing homes and other long-term care facilities, and people with a weakened immune system 
due to disease, such as people with HIV or AIDS, and some cancers, uh, including leukemia. And some people were taking certain medications, including chemotherapy or taking radiation treatment for cancer, or people with chronic conditions that require chronic corticosteroids or other drugs that suppress the immune system. Black, Hispanic, and American Indian and Alaska Native people have consistently higher rates of severe flu outcomes. Uh, compared to white people, it's nearly two times higher among Black persons, 1.3 times higher among uh, American Indian and Alaska Natives, and 1.2 higher among Hispanic or Latino persons. And there's also an increase in ICU admission rates. There are also disparities when you look at children under four years of age with increased hospitalization, intensive care unit placement, and in hospital deaths. And they were three to three and a half times higher among non-Hispanic American Indian or Alaska Native children 2.2 to 3.4 times higher among non-Hispanic Black children, 1.9 to 3 times higher among Hispanic or Latino children, and 1.3 to 4.4 times higher among non-Hispanic Asian or Pacific Islander children. Well, we talked about the inequities in vaccination and this slide shows some of those and the vaccination rate among different groups. And they also persist in children. And as to the causes of disparity, some of it's a lack of access to healthcare and insurance. Some of it's is a higher prevalence of underlying medical conditions. Some of it's missed opportunities to vaccinate. The healthcare provider may be missing opportunities to vaccinate people during routine medical appointments. There's lots of misinformation about vaccination out there, and there's distrust of medical institutions. Racism and prejudice are also known to worsen these inequalities. So if you get the flu, there are prescription medications called antiviral drugs that can be used to treat flu illness. In most cases, you should stay home and avoid contact with other people except to get medical care until you don't have a fever for 24 hours without the use of fever-reducing medicine. If, however, you have symptoms of the flu and are at increased risk, you're one of those people who had those risks that we showed you, or you're very sick or worried about your illness, contact your healthcare provider. Studies show that flu antiviral drugs work best for treatments when they're started within two days of getting sick. There are four FDA-approved antiviral drugs currently on the market. They come in different forms. 
a pill or liquid, an inhaled powder, and an IV. So depending upon your underlying problems and your medical providers looking at medications that you take, they may choose one or another of these drugs. We also talked about why you need a COVID-19 vaccine and flu vaccine, because both are out there. Cases of COVID-19 are already increasing. Uh, the US COVID-19 hospital admission rate find almost 8% to more than 20,500 in the week that ended September 9th. And this was the ninth straight week of increase according to the CDC. And we're seeing that in our hospital in Macon, Georgia. Uh, I was running the inpatient hospital service last week and we had two people in the hospital already uh, with COVID-19. Uh, one was a 92-year-old who had had her vaccine uh, and was doing well, except needed uh, extra oxygen. But the other person was a 35-year-old who had not gotten vaccinated, uh, and that person ended up in the ICU. RSV vaccination. As talked about a little bit before, CDC recommends adults 60 years of age and older can receive a single dose of RSV vaccine using shared clinical decision-making. That means that you talk with your healthcare provider and they have a conversation regarding whether RSV vaccination would be beneficial. That decision is based on the patient's healthcare status, their risk of severe RSV disease, the healthcare provider's clinical judgment, the patient's preferences, and the, cert and the safety profile of the RSV vaccine products and maybe some other factors included. These are some of the risk factors for severe RSV disease, cardiopulmonary disease, kidney disorders, liver disorders, neurologic or neuromuscular conditions, hematologic disorders like sickle cell, diabetes, and moderate or severe immune compromise. So again, somebody who's getting treatment for cancer or other reasons they're immune suppressed, like transplants. Other risk factors for severe RSV, persons who are frail, persons of advanced age, persons who live in nursing homes or other long-term care facilities, and persons with underlying conditions or factors that the provider determines might increase the risk of severe respiratory disease. So we have a few takeaways for you. Get you and your loved ones vaccinated for influenza, COVID-19, and RSV if you're at risk before the end of October. 
even if you're not at high risk, you may have contact with those who are, are at high risk, friends and family members, so get vaccinated. If you think you've gotten an infection of any of these, contact your health provider as soon as possible because early treatment can help prevent bad outcomes. And again, none of these vaccines can give you the infections they are designed to prevent. And they do lessen the severity of infections if you get one. So be proactive before the end of October, ask your healthcare provider for the vaccinations that apply to you and your family. And if you don't have a regular healthcare provider, search vaccines.gov for places to get vaccinated. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dr. Strathers. That was a great practical overview and the importance of why we need to stay vaccine from a specialist himself or geriatrician. So before we move on to our next panelist, there are a couple of questions that have come in. I want to Thank you for sending those questions. We've answered them in the Q&A box under the answer tab. There's just one lingering question. Is the new COVID-19 vaccine a booster or totally different vaccine? The use of the term booster has for the new vaccine has presented challenges when speaking with the community about taking the new vaccine. So we, what we want people to take away from this is that this updated vaccine is made the same way as all the other COVID-19 mRNA vaccines have been made. Nothing's different about the technology. What's different is that due to what was circulating earlier this summer, as far as the variants, the FDA and CDC recommended an updated vaccine that would target these new circulating variants so that we stay protected. And luckily, that is what's happening. This new 2023-24 vaccine, yes, is a booster, but it's also targeting the currently circulating strains of variants. And so that's why, just like with the flu, we have to get that flu vaccine every year to address what is currently circulating. We have to do the same thing with the COVID-19. So hopefully that explains um, and answers your question. So with that now, I would like to turn to Ms. Regina. Um, again, wanted to remind you of her work um, with Faith Health Alliances and all the wonderful work she's doing. So Ms. Regina, we'll turn to you. Okay, thank you. Okay, as she said, I'm Regina Robinson, and I'm just gonna present a little short uh, scenario on the flu and what Legacy Point is doing to help the community as well as our members get through the flu season. Every year, the health and wellness team at Legacy Point starts as early as August publicizing to the members and the community to get the flu vaccine. Education is the key component when speaking to members and in the community about the flu. On that, on that uh, era is two common myths that I hear from members or the community all the time. They would, they would say, if I get the flu shot, it will make me sick or I took the flu shot and I still got sick. So, you know, educating them on the flu shot that is made from an inactivated virus that it can't transmit an infection. If you get sick after receiving a flu shot, you are going to get sick anyway. Cause any, it takes anywhere from seven to 14 days for, 
afford a flu shot to actually work and to get the protection from the vaccine. So you assume, so that person assumed just because you got sick and had the flu shot, they think that the flu shot could have caused their illness. The other second myths that I hear, I don't need to get a flu shot every year. So my education to that is that the flu shot, that the flu virus changes every year. So getting a flu shot every year, it's important to make sure you have the immunity to the strains that are most likely to cause an outbreak. So the second uh, thing that I would like to talk to you about is the insurance and finances of members in the community. The majority of them have Medicare or either private insurance, and most of them are naturally on a fixed income. But for those that don't have, uh, the church will host a free flu clinic, which is a great asset. And it gives everyone an opportunity to get back vaccinated. For those that miss the flu clinic and finances is a barrier. The other resources that's out there in the clinic or the clinics in the neighborhood that most of the time they operate on a sliding scale and that the church will assist. Another barrier that I come up against or that the church come up against is transportation. You know, some of our seniors don't drive or they don't have a car. So transportation is a big barrier. And when we see that as a barrier, a deacon that lives in the vicinity, you know, most of the time if they're available and most of the time they're willing to assist that member. Also, we go with uh, special donations. We do outreaches and a fundraiser. The health and wellness team never miss an opportunity to publicize a doctor's flu shot or age-appropriate vaccines. Even, even though we started in August distributing the flu flyers and educating at every event, we give out two hand sanitizers as well as a thermometer. We recently have added fundraisers to help at, as one of the resources to assist those in need. The health and wellness goal this year is to have two, is to host two free flu clinics. We, I'm shooting for the date of October, as well as the flu stragglers that come in December to host these clinics. Confidential and privacy is a big factor. Some, you know, people, you know, they don't want you knowing their business or, or they want to remain, you know, private in all matters. So most, most of all, most of all, everything that the church do is based on the individual's confidentiality and private, and it's very private. Our senior members, they do have pride, and you have to respect that privacy when you go about your goals and keeping everyone healthy and safe. That's it for me. Wonderful, Miss Regina, thank you. And again, just sharing those practical tools that um, our communities, faith-based communities can listen to, can hear from. So we appreciate it. Are there any questions um, 
for either Ms. Regina or Dr. Struthers before we move on. Okay, and if not, then last but not least, we're gonna move on to Mr. Spry. We're so delighted that you can join this conversation. Um, just bring into light your experience as a barber and health champion. So wonderful to hear you talk about your experience promoting health and health equity among your clients and the kinds of issues that emerge for your older customers. So I'll turn over to you now. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Freddie Spry. I'm, as she said, I'm a public health worker. I've been working with Dr. Thomas, Stephen Thomas, for over 12 years now as a community health worker and just hands-on community, they call us uh, where the rubber meets the road, meets the road. Um, community outreach. Um, we've been doing a lot of shots at the shop. Um, we promote so many different uh, things when it comes to the health disparities in our community. Um, this is a great topic when you're talking about elders and, you know, people with senior, senior ages, because it's so important to be able to get the right information out to the community and people that, that are definitely in danger of these uh, chronic diseases and viruses. Um, we promote definitely the vaccinations. We do the flu. We have we had so many people that were of age, younger and older, that were so scared and against getting those those vaccinations, especially for COVID-19. And a lot of them also for the flu shot. But you know, thank God for the community, for the community that we have, we have we have all type of uh, trust in our community that allow us to be trusted and pass along this information that's very vital. Um, a lot of people are misled by a lot of things they hear on the internet or someone told them before and that are, you know, that are totally incorrect. And we try to make sure we close the gaps to those, um, to those who are, you know, misled or those who are uncertain. Um, it's amazing because we've done with so many different topics. We've done with heart attack, we've done with colon cancer, we've done with so many different things. But every time we had any type of topic we were working on, people that we, that were in our community, in our barbershop clients, even some of my barbers, one of my barbers had passed away from cancer. That's another issue. But someone close to us had died from, we did a flu, we did a flu, I want to see what that year, we had been like 2012 or 13. And we started doing the flu vaccinations and you know a lot of my buddies was against it because they don't do it and it was like bad information going around the internet about some cheerleader at the red can she took it and then she couldn't walk and whole lot this and that but long story i lost a really great friend of mine who ended up catching the flu he was a young guy he was under he was under 40 years old and he had an enlarged heart but you know a lot of people that don't trust doctors don't go to doctors and he didn't even know he had an enlarged heart so he ended up passing away due to the flu, ironically. Um, I started taking the flu shot very early because I would, like someone said earlier, I, didn't, I was scared to pass it along to my children. I had young young children in the house. So it's very it's very important to get the right information out and um, to those that are trusted in the community. Um, we've been very good with doing that and getting our clinical partners to assist us with getting these uh, vaccinations in place. And, the relationships with uh, the barbershop and stylist to the community has been a very great one and a very trusted one that enabled us to uh, be able to get a lot of stuff done. Um, 
we're always going to need help with, you know, they say it takes a community, it takes a village, and it really does, even when it comes down to getting out correct information. Um, like, I, I understand from both sides, some people are very scared to do certain vaccinations because, you know, they're getting the wrong information. And, of course, no one wants to put something in their body that they think later on is going to kill them instead of help them. So getting the real vital information out, correct information, is very, very, very imperative. And, you know, it can save lives. And that's what we're here for. So I'm very blessed and honored to be amongst you guys speaking on this topic that is very, very, very crucial in our neighborhood and our communities. Um, I'm always here to try to make things better and, and you know, be innovative as possible and try to be as hands-on as possible as well. So, like I said, um, just, I, I, I push for this, I love it, and um, I'm here. And I'm here if anything that I can do, I would do. That's it. Awesome. Thank you, Mr. Spryne. We can see the passion that you bring to it. It seems like you're even working today. And yeah. um, <laughs> we appreciate all the passion and energy that you bring to this movement, um, which is to discrete, decrease those um, disparities. So I wanted to um, ask all of our panelists just some questions, starting with Dr. Struthers. Um, just wanted to find out from you, you know, as you work with your patients, patients who may have questions about these vaccines, let's start with COVID-19. How would you counsel someone to get the um, COVID-19 or why they should get the COVID-19 vaccine? I think part of it is going into the same explanation you're, you did about what the vaccine is, and in this case, that it is a vaccine that was made the same way as previous vaccines, but it targets a different strain. What the strain was, was the one that was the most common one this summer and believed to be the most common one this winter. Uh, but it also covers other uh, COVID uh, variants. So um, it gives you protection, not just for what they expect, but COVID has changed multiple times since it started. So it expected to uh, cover a lot of other possible uh, mutations and variants. Um, Excellent. No, thank you. And I think that's a very helpful answer for all of us who are working to encourage vaccination in our families and communities. Um, a related question just popped up saying, could you speak to the level of immunity COVID infections provide and how soon the booster can be obtained? So I'll answer the second part first. As long as it's been two months since your last COVID-19 vaccine dose, any COVID-19 dose, whether it was a booster or bivalent, anything you've had in the past, as long as it's been two months, you may get the new 2023 to 2024 booster vaccine now. If you still have questions you're unsure, just check with your healthcare provider or pharmacist. Regarding the level of immunity COVID infections provide, great question. Yes, we realize that there is some immunity from having COVID itself, just like you can get immunity or protection from getting the vaccine. However, we are truly not sure how long that immunity from infection lasts, and we do not want you to rely on that solely because as Dr. Strathers just mentioned, the strains can change. You may have been immune to one strain, but not to the new strain. 
also you don't want to risk getting the disease healthy people across all age groups are being hospitalized ending up in the icu and dying from this deadly disease it's not just people who have medical conditions so please don't take that risk so miss um regina wants yes. yes just ask you you know in the church setting and like you also working along with health ministry how are you you you've given some examples already how do you continue um to promote vaccination efforts in your setting well most of the time um you know surveys or maybe a member may come up to me and say they may need the shingles or the pneumococcal I'll you know that's how most of I will you know promote them and see what you know see if they're available to get it or if I know anything about it I will educate them on it and when I tell, I, I will tell them you don't want the shingles. <laughs> I haven't, I never had them, but I have known patients to have had shingles, and so that's when they really get interested in it. Excellent, excellent. It seems like you work with partners to bring the vaccine into the church setting. Is that correct? Yeah. Now we haven't brought the vaccines in until we, you know, do the surveys to see what is needed. But the plan is to get someone into to the church to talk about the vaccines to the uh, congregation that's my plan excellent excellent thank you and um mr spry there's a question in there for you does your organization the hair organization with the barbershop welcome volunteers and if you could speak to that a little bit uh yes we definitely welcome volunteers actually we've been blessed and happy to be able to work with so many clinical partners to um to administer these vaccinations in the shop. We do shots at the shop. It's a real big deal. Um it even reached even reached to the White House and made a lot of attention where they reached out to our organization and they started trying to implement uh these same things across the nation. Um uh speaking on just I just heard her say something about the the vaccination for them for the shingles. My dad ended up getting the shingles and he always emphasized, listen, make sure you get that vaccination. Get that. He's 80 years old now, but he said, I don't even wish this on my worst enemy. It was one of the worst things ever. And, you know, most of us on this panel or, or on this call have had the chicken pox. And, you know, if you had the chicken pox, you can, you're definitely a candidate to have shingles. So it's very, very, very important, extremely, I can't express how much to make sure that we get that vaccination out, is, is along with all the other ones as well. But yes, we take on volunteers as well. Thank you, thank you. And thank you for that plug-in for the shingles vaccine as well. Very, very important. And I think um, one of our team members posted the link for the Hair Wellness Warriors newsletter and how to get involved in the chat. Right before um, we close, we are developing a flyer infographic of sorts. And we'd like for each of you to offer one or two highlights of how we can help our older adults of color protect our health, especially as it relates to flu vaccination. It could be either a fact, a recommendation, inspirational quote, something you do that helps. We're going to use these as we develop that um, content. So please just think about it and place that in the chat. While we do that, um, people are saying thank you for this information. The community appreciates your work and outreach efforts.
And a question for you, Mr. Spry, again, how, if you can share an example of how through here, you've uh, been able to overcome vaccine. Say one more time. How through the hair warrior work, you've been able to overcome vaccine hesitancy. Oh, excellent question. Um, first of all, that was one of the most difficult <laughs> situations I've ever have experienced. But um, we passed it. Thank God, though, I can just say uh, with a lot of passion that I lost one of my closest, closest, the best of the best friends, almost brother. There was really on the, we call it the hell no wall. The hell no wall that people say they were not taking a vaccination. Even I was skeptical at first and, and I'm all for, you know, I'm all for vaccination and everything that needs to be done when it comes to my health. But however, a lot of people were skeptical on taking the vaccinations for COVID-19 and I was a little worried, but I wanted to be a leader in my community. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna take it. And if I'm still alive, then you come and take it. You know what I'm saying? And you can see how it goes. And, Many people follow. Um, I also know that I like to travel and I like to be on a plane. I was not getting on any plane without getting that vaccination. Um, one of my real good brothers, you know, he's right up here on the wall next to me. I had to go speak at an event right down there um, in Baltimore right after um, the day, he, like a few days after he passed away. And I found out on my way to the to, to speak and it was very, um, emotion because I found out 20 minutes before I had to speak in, the, in this event it was for people to take the the the, the boosters or the second shot or people that just didn't, wasn't vaccinated they had a vaccination but when I spoke everyone got vaccinated that day I think they probably got twice you know they probably did a, a double a double whop of getting vaccinated but it was difficult but you know just getting out the correct information and Fighting against the wrong information and so on that was all over the internet was it was a was a trial and it was very difficult. But um, letting people know the options. My thing was okay. You don't want to get a vaccination. What is your plan to not get sick? So I think that I would go with getting vaccinated and not getting against not getting vaccinated, especially if you see people dying at you know big 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 numbers. So um. The easiest thing was leading by example. That was the biggest thing. And we had all our bottles get vaccinated and, and a lot of leaders in our neighborhood. And that's how we started. And that's how it, you know, continued. And people, they supported it. Thank you for sharing that personal story. And, you know, sorry for your loss. And thank you. And I hopefully those kind of stories will continue to resonate. Um, I see a couple of comments here from Dr. Struthers as well. He's placed in the chat. Would you like to expand, Dr. Struthers, on you're saying asking for vaccinations if you're not offering them? Yes. Um, I don't want to presume um, racism or prejudice, but if you're seeing your medical provider and you're not offered those vaccines, ask for them. Be bold. This is taking care of you and your family. And the other comment is that a lot of us have family members who are frail or have risk factors, and, and some may not be able to get out to get vaccines. Make sure your family and those around them get vaccinated to help protect them. Excellent advice, excellent advice. Yeah, same advice I'm sure Dr. Struthers will give to his family members, he's given to all of you, so thank you. Yes. Okay, we're two minutes away, 
And I'll turn to our organizers, Chinny or Ashley. Is there anything you'd like us to address before we close? Thank you so much, Dr. Yabo and Dr. Struthers, Ms. Regina and Freddie. Thank you so much for all the valuable information you provided today. Um, I see something in the chat that's uh, from Venus talking about Spanish translation. I'm sorry you've had um, such bad experience with Spanish translation of materials. Perhaps if you could, um, I don't know, maybe you could connect with us. I'm going to put our chat, our email address in the chat, and maybe we can uh, work with you to find better translators for the work that you do. It's shc at nmqf.org. Um, hopefully we can help to address this. Otherwise, maybe we can just find a way to um, collaborate to get more useful information to your communities. Um, I don't have anything else to say, but I just want to say thank you again to everyone who's on here and thank you again, especially to our panelists for such great conversations today. And thank you, Cheney, for having us. Thanks again to my co-panelists. Oh, there's one final one that came up again. I don't know, Dr. Yabo, did you answer this about how soon can you travel out of the country? How soon after you travel out of the country should you be tested for COVID-19? Should you test for COVID-19 even if you don't have symptoms? Sure, that's a great question. And depending on your risk, just like Dr. Strada mentioned, if you do not have symptoms, you travel internationally. I would still test if you're going into a home where you have people who could really be devastated if they caught COVID. If you have older adults, very young children, people who are frail, just test to be sure because you may not have symptoms, but you can still spread COVID or flu or RSV. So it's very important to just be aware of those around you and then speak with your healthcare provider about specifics and timing of testing. So we encourage you to do that. Um, and agreeing with you, Chinny, um, to respond to Venus is so important as we develop messaging to co-create with our communities, not to assume that we know what the message should be for a community and how to translate that. So very important principles. Um, we shared in the Q&A some resources that appear to be more co-created, and we encourage you to work alongside us um, to develop messaging. So thank you. All right, that being said, thank you again to everyone and have a wonderful weekend. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.